Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are you guys? How do you like the snow that just started falling? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oops, sorry, I'm not allowed to say that word. <laughs> uh, so hi, my name is Rachel. Um, Rod was right that he's been trying to get me to preach, speak, teach, whatever you want to call it, for about two years now. Um, and I kept saying, no, 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 but you know how that goes with Rod if you are sitting here. Um, he doesn't usually take no for an answer. He just winks and says, okay, we'll see. Um, so here I am. Um, I am a seminary student, uh, and I should be graduating in April. So <laughs> hallelujah. Um, and I say that not to, you know, so this is why I say this. Um, each week we talk about um, where the podium is and why we stand here on the ground as preachers, speakers, teachers. Um, and as I have gone through my studies, the more I learn is the more I understand more deeply the mystery of God and that I don't know barely anything about God. Um, so we stand here for a very specific reason, and that is that we are not any closer to God than you are. Um, I'm going to do a, a goofy preacher thing, which is saying where we've been, um, just to catch everybody up. And then if you've missed a couple weeks, shameless plug for the podcast. Uh, hello, podcast, if you're listening to me right now. Um, <laughs> and then I'm sure if you don't have the link, Rod will give you that link. Um, so where have we been? So the first week that I attended chapel, uh, we learned about the danger of reading scripture flatly. Um, and so often when we talk about David, which is what we're in with the series right now, um, we read it through this very narrow scope of David as a man after God's own heart. Um, so often when we read scripture like that and through a narrow lens in what um, my professors call morsels, morsels and pieces, which isn't how you should consume anything. Um, you need the full plate. <laughs> and um, so often when we do that, we forget all of the other things of the human person of David, um, that he did commit horrible things. He murdered you know, and he, he committed sexual assault against someone. Um, and so a quote that I like about David is that David's portrait is a full human portrait in all of these stories. So not that he is this glorified character, but that he is a human, um, and to recognize that. Um, Another place that we've been uh, was actually, it was really fun. We were encouraged to take out our phones and dig into scripture with our tools and look into the story of David and Goliath. And a predominant theme that we've said again and again is how David didn't have to put on someone else's armor for battle and that he was good enough just the way he was as the little shepherd that he was and was still able to accomplish what God had for him. And then last week, that brings us to this comparison that Rod had with kings holding on to power that we see in our scriptures in the Old Testament, but then comparing that to Jesus. And when he had power, he wouldn't hold on to it, but rather he would freely let it go. 
So today I'm going to be echoing something that Rod said last week, um, which is the idea of doing something for God versus doing something with God. And I'm going to rephrase that a little bit and talk about this idea of gift and grasp. Um, so if you can with me, the idea of grasping is you're going to squeeze your hands. If you have little children and they're in your hands, please don't squeeze them. Um, but squeeze your hands. And then with this idea of gift, we're going to let them go. So with the story of David, and this is why I bring this up. With the story of David, um, this uh, religious scholar David Gunn, and I say this specifically because when I googled David Gunn, there was a heavy metal singer named David Gunn. And I just want to clarify, we're talking about this religious scholar out in Texas and not the heavy metal singer. Um, but what he said was that there is this reoccurring theme with David, which is this idea of gift and grasp, what we just did with our hands. And what he says is this. When David was most attuned to giving and receiving of gifts, all went well. But when he attempted to grasp through his own power, like as we see with the story of Bathsheba, disaster followed. So the scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning, or this, see, I'm a, I'm a morning preacher, sorry guys, this evening, um, it's going to come from 2 Samuel 7, so feel free to look it up on your phone, it's okay. Um, if you just had a long week and you just need to soak, I will do my best to be a good reader for you so that you can do that. Um, but with this idea, um, David wanted to build a temple for God. That's the scripture that we're reading. And it's one that we've mentioned a couple times in this um, series. Um, but this, this story, interestingly, has this potential of David to either exercise this gift, this ability to give and receive a gift from God, or grasping with his own power. So we're going to see where this story ends together. So, 2 Samuel 7, starting in verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. The ark of God was this dwelling place where he located, and we are not, we don't have an ark anymore. He lives in us as living temples, right? Um, so this seems like a good idea. Even the prophet Nathan said, yeah, God is with you. Sure, let's, let's roll with that. Um, so what I call this is a good intention, right? David had a good intention of building this temple for God. So, but that's not necessarily the plan that God had. So that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan the prophet, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? 
Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares that you, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house or a dynasty for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed him before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. Nathan the prophet reported to David all the words of his entire revelation. So interestingly, God never said that this was a bad idea for David to build him a temple. But he did say, I don't want you to do this for me. So if you continue reading, um, remember when we talked about how this story has the possibility of being a grasp of power story or a gift of receiving, right? Um, And the wonderful end of the story is that David received this gift from God, and instead of sticking with this good intention, he instead received this blessing of a dynasty, a lineage. So in contrast, and it was mentioned in this passage, um, that King Saul, the king before David, didn't actually react in this same way. Um, So I would encourage you to read 1 Samuel 13. Um, I'm going to do a little paraphrase, just because the readers who, um, who knew this story would have known the other story of King Saul. So there was a battle that wasn't going very well. Everybody was freaking out. Israelites were running away. Um, And the instructions were that Saul was to wait seven days. Well, on the seventh day, he began to burn uh, offerings to gain favor with God. Well, he didn't even wait till the end of the day because Uh, Samuel the prophet came over and he's like, what on earth are you doing? You did not follow the instructions. And that is when uh, Saul said, well, I I did it to gain favor. So, um, a quote by Walter Brueggemann. um, He says, idolatry consists in harnessing God for our purposes, regarding Yahweh or the Lord as a reliable ally in our interests, 
so that God finally becomes useful to us. So when we read that quote, it's definitely a grasp of power posture, right? So in this relationship that we see, Saul treated God similar to what I call little g gods that were, you know, worshipped by other nations. Um, more as a means to an end or a transactional relationship. But then with David, we see that his response to God in this gift was far more of an intimate relationship and not a transactional one. So in the story of today, we do see David loosening his grip on what was a good intention, whereas Saul tightened his grasp. So I do like to do little applications. Um, and when we look at this posture of a closed fist, it doesn't take very much for us to find them around us, does it? So one that just comes to my head as someone who studied church history is that church history has a lot of defending God, you know, for God, like he needs it. Um, even just when you say the Crusades, multiple wars for the sake of securing power over holy cities, right? And then when we look back at this quote by Walter Brueggemann, say that 10 times fast, um, we see this consistent focus on us. So our purposes, our interests, useful to us. So when we have this grasping posture, it takes the center off of God and onto us instead. So when I look at a posture of open hands, I see the library that was made. Um, I was talking you know, to the, the runner of our library and um, I asked, well, what kind of books do you need? And what they told me was that, uh, you know, a certain kind of like sci-fi, fantasy, teenage novel type thing goes really fast, so we need more of those. Coloring books are really enjoyed, so we need more of those. And funny enough, I saw an article because, you know, your phones listen to you talking sometimes, and I think they heard me um, talking. And I found this article about the little free library's books get stolen twice in one week. This was a bigger article than what I thought it was because I told someone about this today and how silly that something that's free can be stolen. And they said, oh yeah, did you hear about those books getting stolen? I was very confused. Um, so this article, to me, is a posture of grasping. Um, the person who runs this library, they said that the purpose of the library was to unify the neighborhood. Well, I like the posture of the library that's being created by all of you, where the books that go the fastest are the first to get replaced, to be given freely, right? The open hand. Another example that I can think of is hearing about this park that's getting created. Not very often do you hear about a park that is being constructed specifically for people who don't often get 
that space? You know, what does a garden look like? What does, you know, X, Y, Z? So once again, getting this space to give it freely. And then one of the biggest ones to me is this idea that a home is purchased. Not to have programming running out of it, but to be freely given to a family that may find security for the first time in their whole lives. So, which is your hand? Is it the grasping or is it the giving? Because I know where I am and I need to daily pry my hands open even though they may be clenched for good intentions. So, please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this time together and that we start at 6.30, not to check something off a list, but that we don't actually start worshiping until 7 so that we can spend time with one another. Lord, I thank you for so many people in this room who have pried their, their hands open and are open to giving freely to those in this neighborhood. I'm just so thankful for that and what that will do. And Lord, I ask that you continue to give us a posture of giving because that's what you showed us through your son. We thank you that even if our fists are clenched, that you are still with us and you will never leave us. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.